if Christ is not incorporated, it has no meaning. Read it, see the description of a road to Jericho or this and that and that, and you saw Aliyah happening, and you saw planes coming from all over the world, carrying Jews back to the promised land. If you cannot show me Christ and all of that, you have misinterpreted that revelation. And how do I know? There are a number of scriptures to look at. There was a time Jesus opened his mouth and spoke. He said, which sign do you give us? He said, we will break, I will break this temple down. He was standing near the temple. And in three days, I will build it again. You will have thought that that was very direct. This is the temple. But what did the disciples say later to us when they were explaining it? They said, when he said this, they misunderstood. But he was speaking of what? His body. That his body is a temple that he said he will break down and raise in three days. Did he do that? Yes. The other temple that he was standing in front, was that one broken down later? Yes. Is that one coming back in three days? Yes. It will never come back. Forget all this one thing. Another temple will be built in Jerusalem. Lie, lie. If you build a temple, if it's brick and mortar, Jesus will not go there. As a matter of fact, he's not interested in any temple built with human hands. We now know what he calls the temple of God is what? The body of Christ. So what was he talking about? His body. So what is the temple of God today? The body of Christ. Is that not... Is that not Christian sense? I see Christians gather donating money to build a physical temple in Jerusalem. Don't that's idol worship. I hope you know that. That's not Christianity. The temple has been raised. Peter talked about it. We are being built as lively stones. It is you and me that are the, te- that the stones that are being used to build his temple now. And that's how you interpret the scriptures. The day this knocked me out in recent times was I was reading the book of Hebrews. And I realized that just quickly flip over there. It was shocking to me that day. When I just I, I was reading the book of Hebrews, and you see the way the Jewish mind that was taught of God interpreted the prophecies. The things that happened then. And that's how we Christians also must interpret scriptures. Hebrews chapter 1. I was trying to prove the supremacy of the Son, of course, of the new covenant above the old that the, that the old Israel knew. So what he needed to do was to show that the person who brought one covenant is superior to the person who brought the other one. So it was showing that the Son is superior to Moses. So here he was explaining, giving many instances to prove that point. And he said, in former days he spoke in the prophets, in the latter days, he spoke in his son, trying to prove that his son was superior. He explained many things. He now got to verse 5. Now, what he was trying to say is, let me just explain to you, that the first covenant was delivered through angels. The second one came through his son. Now, to show the supremacy of the son above angels, he said, for, verse 5, For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. Now notice that line. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. One day I sat down. I said, when did he say this? Are you getting my point? Because all, this, all of these are quotes from the, old, from the law and the prophets. This was from one of the historical books. This was God speaking, actually. Okay, I'll tell you where, where in a moment. So you expect to hear a prophetic word that, the Messiah shall come. 
Do you understand my point? The Messiah shall come, I will be a father to him, and he will be a son unto me. I decided to check. Do you know what? That was not what happened. You know what he was referring to? It was when Nathan opened his mouth and spoke to David and said to David, David wanted to build a temple. And David, Nathan said, go ahead and do it. God is with you. Then God said, go and tell David nonsense. He can't do it. I will raise a son. So Nathan now came, Second Samuel chapter 7. The, the story is there, Second Samuel chapter 7. In verse 8, it says, Now go and say to my servant David, let me use the New Living Translation, that's one open in front of me. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies has declared. I took it from tending sheep in the pasture and all of that. He now said that, if you go down to verse 11, from verse, um, around verse 11, middle way. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring. I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name. Are you seeing that? And I will secure his royal throne forever. Verse 14 says what? I will be his father and he shall be my son. Who did you think he was talking about? No, who did you think? Who have you discovered? And this was used to prove that Jesus is superior to the angels and to Moses. So when Nathan opened his mouth and was talking, everybody was hearing, a son shall arise in the house of David, and they were expecting Solomon. The angels were hearing, the Messiah is coming. He will build a real temple. I've always said the people don't understand this. That physical temple in Jerusalem was never God's idea. He gave them the temple because they no go here. When David tried to build, he said, relax. That's not the way it works. You want to see a temple? Your son is coming. That's why they called Jesus the son of David. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. That word was not for Solomon. It was for the Lord Jesus. Can you see what we are saying here? If you are interpreting the so-called prophecies, if you don't decode it through Christ, you are, you are confused. I mean, you, you, you are not getting it right. You are not using the real code. Are you getting my point? For those of you who understand, you know, computer programming, you have to get your code right. Otherwise, you see, you know, all kinds of 010010, 0000110, it's all zeros and ones and zeros. What's, it's when you put the right code in that it now translates to music in your ears or translates to graphics in your face, stuff like that. Scriptures, the decoding code, the thing with which it was encrypted is called Christ. If you want to decrypt the whole of the prophecies, you put Christ in. Without it, it has no meaning. But you know, my brethren have gone to Jerusalem and they've tried to make meaning of prophecies. They went to Jerusalem. One day I heard one, of, one, one prophet I love very much. He's an apostle of Kevin's friend. The man was prophesying. He said that the Lord appeared. You know, and you know, let me tell you something. Eh? My wife used to look at me funny. That this pastor, this man, all right, the Lord said we should marry you, we will marry you, but the, I don't fear prophecy. I don't fear prophecy. This guy, there's a reason why I'm black. I don't fear prophecy. 
No, prophecy. Come to me. Thus says the Lord. Uh-huh. Once I'm ugly, forget. Clear, my friend. See, but the Lord said to me, let me give an example. Lord, I mean no disrespect. Apostle Kim is here on my side. I used to say those days when they said that um, that the founding father of Redeem said that um, this church, Jesus is coming back to meet, this, this is the church coming back to meet on the earth. You know what I used to say? You remember what I used to say? I said, God does not smoke Igbo. He, he didn't say so. I don't know I say, I know the kind of things the Lord says and what he does not say. He didn't say that one. He cannot kill Jesus to break down a wall of partitioning. Then he builds a new wall and stands on the wall and be prophesying. <laughs> and listen, I have, look, I had come to understand hmm, that people hear wrongly. And when they hear, they also interpret wrongly. Look, Jesus was standing in front of these people for three and a half years. Yet, after resurrection, what were they asking? Will you at this time restore? It is, their nationalism was so strong, Jesus couldn't break it. For Peter to preach to Cornelius, shit was flying up and down. Arise, kill and eat. Lila, I'm not eating. Ha! Peter, take your time. I said eat. Peter said no. Jesus said, if I clean something, you will eat it. Peter said, ah, this kind of food? No. Then finally he woke up. Oh, it was a trance. At that time, Cornelius came. He went to the house of Cornelius reluctantly. And the, look, that senior bro, we not, he would not have made an altar call. Except that the Holy Spirit quickly filled those people. Yes. When he saw speaking in tongues, Falling under the power, prophecy. Ha! He said, before they kill somebody and send somebody to hellfire, quick, quickly come and baptize these people. And of course, no happened. James and Co. They were waiting. Where did Brother Peter go? The house of the Gentiles. You think it's easy? That's how hard prophecies can be. So that is why. Look, when your heart is so, your heart is made up in an area. God reveals himself to you. You will see something else, interpret something else. That's why I tell you, I mean, I'm very, prophecies are very tough. You will come and see as I will print, the Lord said this, I say, the Lord said what? Were you texting when he was talking to you? Because no, when you don't concentrate, you'll be hearing things wrongly. And I haven't listened to people like Ken Hagin and all of that. You see, Ken Hagin will tell you that one day Jesus was speaking to him. An evil spirit came into the middle of the two of them and began to disturb. And Jesus did not stop talking. And he panicked because he said, Lord, can't you see? I'm not hearing you. This guy is here disturbing me. At least, okay, look at when I'm preaching here now. When we get the loud horn interrupting us from the main road, what do I do? I pause. Well, you know, Jesus, he does not pause. Jesus refused to pause for Kenneth Higgin. And the, the, man, ah, the man panicked. It was out of panic that he finally panicked. It was out of panic he finally shouted at the evil spirit, shut up in the name of Jesus and get out of here. Do you know that thing he missed that day? It wasn't like he said, okay, Lord, please, what were you saying? 
The Lord said as if nothing happened. He didn't hear that portion of it. Decades later, he was still ruminating on what happened that day. Then one day was preached. He said, I think I'm finally getting it. Don't joke. So that's why I said, look, sometimes God is revealing to some people, they are hearing something else. So that's when we are giving a prophecy. Once he starts giving me prophecies that you dreamt that all Christians gathered in Jerusalem and were now shared to the Jews to control, and do you understand? And they were all carrying block and laying block to build the third, the new temple in Jerusalem that Jesus is returning to. I'll be looking at you and say, my friend, go back home, go and sleep. And tell the Lord, please. An evil spirit was disturbing me when you were speaking last time. Because this one I went and narrated to Banky, he reminded me that I took Jesus out of the midst of it. That's why I said, I don't fear prophecy. Look, ask my wife very well. Those days, the one who first married, she used to wonder, what is this man? What's your matter? I say, baby girl, if this guy is right, my Bible is wrong. Mm-hmm. Then I was listening to one man, the prophet I was telling you about, who I also love very much, as he was prophesying. And this is a man's prophecies, I believe, 100%. He got to that particular point. So the Lord said he would do this because... These people are doing something against my land. <laughs> I started laughing. He said, the Lord didn't say anything, but I perceived in my heart that the land he was talking about was the land of Israel. I said, laughing. I said, laughing. I said, laughing. I said, laughing. I said, Ross, what can I say? This is, you're having the bitter problem. <laughs> yes. You're not interpreting prophecy well. Because I was waiting for him to say, the Lord told me like that. You know, because, you know, you know there, there are times you are, you, you are ready for battle. When he raised there, he said, the Lord didn't say so, but I perceive in my spirit. I said, okay, now your spirit, your spirit can say anything. Look, that's none of my business. Your spirit can say anything. There are things people will tell me that Jesus appeared to them and said, I said, that portion, you added your own. I know the truth. Many times they have added. You know, I, I, I love Kenneth Higgins for something. Eh? And I always recommend him. He's not a perfect man, all right? Neither am I. None of us is, all right? But there's something I noticed about him. He tries to give accurate accounts. He gets so detailed sometimes, you wonder, is it necessary? Well, later on, as a, as a student of the word, I realized, okay, this is why this man must have been doing some of these things. Let me give an example. He used to say that the Lord told me to kneel down, and he put his right hand on my head in a vision. And he said this and this and that and that, all right? It looks like, oh, okay, you understand? No problem with that. Then years later, after I had preached him for more than 20, well, I don't know whether it was 20 or more than 10 years, but for a long time, he started saying that I used to say he laid his right hand. He said, but I now realize my eyes were closed. I didn't know which hand he used. Just for details. So, but you see, the man just made it clear that his hand came upon my head, it wasn't my hand, but he lay on his hand and his head and all of that. He said, but I always assumed it was the right hand. He said, but then I realized that I don't know the hand he used. So now, let us assume, now I'm not saying there is, but let us assume there was a situation in which somebody said the Bible said it had to be the left. But he said, but the man was there and he said it is right. He said, bros, my Bible says left hand. I don't care what you saw when you were seeing your vision. Maybe use the mirror. <laughs> that, that's how I am. That, I just say, maybe you use the mirror. 
if the Bible says he, used the, he, he uses left hand, he almost either has to be the left or it's not authentic. If you say, boy, it's authentic now, but I saw right, in that case, that day, you carried your mirror. You were looking at your image in the mirror. Yeah. So it looked like left. But later on, the man answered himself. He said, I, I just always assumed. When you're talking a lot of times, you don't know when you're tossing your personal assumptions. That is why you give me prophecies, I listen to it carefully. It disagrees with the principles of Christ that's clear in the scriptures. I don't care which angel showed it to you. You know what Paul even said? If he differs from the gospel we have preached, let that angel be accursed. That's why many prophecies, many books, I don't read them. What's my problem? They take away from Christ. They take away from Christ. They tell me, give to the gospel, gather and support Israel. You will be blessed. I say, it is total consolidated nonsense. Why? The promise stated in black and white was to who? To Abraham and his seed. And Paul said clearly, and that's, it was not seeds as of many, but that's but seed as of one, and that seed is Christ. So if anybody says anything different, he's talking nonsense. I will give to the Jew because he's broke. I'll give to the Jew because he's hungry. Because he needs the gospel. In the same manner I give to the man from Udi. I don't see any difference though. No difference. It's not because now the canoe come came and told me the Udi man is a, is a Jew man. It is because he's my neighbor in Enugu. And Jesus said, do this to my neighbors. I will do it. Okay, okay. See, Kalabama is not from is not an Israelite. I will do it to the Kalabaman. I will do it to the Nupe man. Why? I'm a believer in Christ Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be like my father. And Paul, when he wanted to emphasize, you know what he said? Do good to all. Especially those of the household of the faith. He understood that the real blessing is in Christ. It's not outside him. Apostle Kimite, it's not the Bible. Does it look like my opinion? Scriptures. Those two things eh, knocked it into my head that without Jesus, you can't interpret the Bible. You can't. Jesus said, I'll break this temple down. They said, no, 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 no. He was talking about the one that uh, Herod and uh, rebuilt from the one Moses, uh, uh, the Emiah rebuilt from the one that Solomon originally built. No. So he was talking about his body. And that one went down. In three days, he raised it up again. And now you and I are called the body of Christ. So who wants to build a temple for the Lord? He builds you and I as lively stones. That's what the Bible says. And who will have guessed? That Nathan was prophesying about Jesus. It just looks so clear that he was prophesying about Solomon. When I say, I will be a father to him, he will be a son unto me. He was talking about Jesus. So next time you pick up your Bible, you know that the prophecies are for Christ and the people that are in him. All of this story, so we can read Isaiah chapter 54. Can you believe that? Jukes, come and read it for us. Give you the microphone. Let's open our Bibles, everybody. Isaiah chapter 54. So you find out, therefore, 
that everything that God ever promised has been packaged in the prophets. And the things are ours. So the prophets, how do you interpret them? It's simple. In the face of Christ. There's no other way. You interpret everything in the face of Christ. Isaiah chapter 54. Let's read that. Isaiah chapter 54. I read from verse 1. Shout for joy, O barren one. You have born no child. Break forth into the joyful shouting and cry aloud. You who have not travailed. For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. Two, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Spare not, lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. And your descendants will possess nations and will resettle the desolate cities. If, we, if this applies to you, why don't you give me an amen? amen? Fear not, for you will not be put to shame. Why am I not hearing amen? amen? And do not feel humiliated, for you will not be disgraced. Amen. Please, oh, let's hear that again. It says, fear not, you will not be put to shame. Amen. amen. Do not feel humiliated, for you will not be disgraced. Amen. amen. Go ahead. And the reproach of your widowhood. You will remember no more. Amen. For your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts. Amen. And your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, Amen. who is called the God of all the earth. For the Lord has called you. Amen. Amen. Like a wife forsaken and grieved in the spirit. Even like a wife of one's youth when she is rejected, says your God. For a brief moment, I forsook you, but with great compassion, I will gather you. In an outburst of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting loving kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. For this is like the days of Noah to me, when I swore that the waters of Noah would not flood the earth again. So I have sworn that I will not be angry with you. Amen. Nor will I rebuke you. Amen. For the mountains will be removed, the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will not be removed from you. Amen. And my covenant of peace will not be shaken. Amen. Says the Lord who has compassion on you. Amen. Go on, go on. Go on, continue reading. We're enjoying, we're, look, we're enjoying the blessing. We're, you are going to the end of chapter 54. In verse 11. See, these words, are, they are, look, I said these are the prophecies ca- that can only be interpreted in the light of Christ. So if you're in Christ Jesus, they are yours. Amen. If you see, it's referring to somebody who has gone through troubles, who have gone through trials, you have gone through rejections, you have gone through denials, you applied for this, applied for that, you've been sick, you have been down. Sometimes even they've given you prognosis of death that things will not work out. These are the prophecies that handle the case of your life. This was not talking about any land anywhere. It was talking about you and me. Are you getting my point? Yes, sir. So the amens we are saying, they are appropriate. When you say, say like you are collecting something. Are you getting my point? In fact, you do this kind of amen. 
Amen. You know, you, as if you grab it, pull it in. And you say the amen, you will reach out. Amen. You grab it in. Continue verse 11. O afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted. Behold, I will set your stones in antimony, and your foundations will lay in sapphire. Amen. Moreover, I will make your battlements of rubies. Amen. And your gates of crystal. Amen. And your entire walls of precious stones. Amen. All your sons will be taught of the Lord. Amen. And the well-being of your sons will be great. Amen. I need you to pause there. When you greet my children, it's one of the ways they answer. Ask victory, how are you? You say, I'm taught of the Lord and great is my peace. Amen. So it's one of the greetings my wife and I taught my kids. Say, how are you? Fine. Fine is too common. They have a number of answers they give you. This is one of them. Say, how are you? You say, I am taught of the Lord and great is my peace. Continue. Read it again in verse 13. I want to say the amen again. All your sons will be taught of the Lord. Amen. And the well-being of your sons will be great. Amen. In righteousness you will be established. Amen. Amen. You will be far from oppression. Amen. For you will not fear. Amen. And from terror. Amen. For it will not come near you. Amen. If anyone fiercely assails you, it will not be from me. Amen. Whoever assails you will fall because of you. Oh, pardon. Behold, I myself have created the smith who blows the fire of coals and brings out a weapon for its work. And I have created the destroyer to ruin. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. Amen. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. Amen. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Amen. And their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. Amen. Rise to your feet and give the Lord thanks. Just, just rise to your feet, just give the Lord thanks. That's how you interpret Old Testament, so-called Old Testament scriptures. It's the law and the prophet. Begin to give thanks. Now you see your Bible, Genesis to Revelation was written to you. It's for you to know how to understand what is inside there. Begin to give the Lord thanks. Those foundations will be laid in sapphires. Give the Lord thanks. The Lord will decorate you with beauty. That's what he's saying. Your towers will be of sparkling rubies. Your gates of shining gems. The Lord said, I will teach your children. And great will be their peace. You will be secure. You will not fear. Those are the things you will lay claim to as believers in Christ Jesus. This is what he prepared. It's for you. Jesus paid for this. He paid for this. Begin to give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. Say, Lord, I thank you. Say, Lord, I thank you. He said, your husband is your maker. That is, people who have gone through widowhood. Looks like they don't have anybody anymore. God says, I am your, I'm your person. That refers to somebody who doesn't have help. You don't have a father. That's what he's referring to when he talked about your husband is your maker. Your redeemer is the holy one of Israel. Yes, you don't have a lawyer. You don't have somebody to plead your case. But your redeemer is the holy one of Israel. Yes, there was a time the Lord was angry with you. Because of the multitude of sins of your ancestors and yours that you, with which you connected with the curse in that lineage. 
Yes, you went through trouble, but now you have been forgiven. With everlasting loving kindness, he will have compassion on you. That's what the word of God says. Not anymore will you go through suffering because of your own sins. No. The mercy of God is upon you. Just continue to walk in faith. The mercy of God is upon you. The mercy of God is upon you. In righteousness, you will be established. That's the word of God. Give thanks for it. You will be far from oppression. You will be far from oppression. Say to yourself, I will be far from oppression. Declare, declare it. I will be far from oppression, wherever I am. If I'm in a strange land, nobody knows me there, I will be far from oppression. I will be far from oppression. No weapon that is fashioned against me shall prosper. Anyone that rises up against me will fall because of me. Because God is on my side. Say, the Lord is on my side. The Lord is on my side. Say, these prophecies, they are mine. This is how Christians pray. We pray the word of God. We don't pray our desires. We pray the word of God. We read earlier, total healing. Say, strength from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Claim me. There is nothing God will not do for you. This is how Christians pray. Oh, this is how we pray. We take the word of God and baptize our environment with it. That's our worship. That's how we worship. That's how we worship. Can I give you a word for a moment? You know everything he hears. You just spoke to a tree. And you know what happened? The tree head. Tree. What do you call tree? Tree. Even Lazarus, when he was dead, you know the human brain is the fastest thing to decompose in the body. Human brain. I know what? It turns to water. Yes, it, it doesn't decompose the normal decomposition. It turns to, but it just turns to jelly. And it starts a few minutes after the fellow dies. So Lazarus's brain, that's where I'm going. Oh. It decomposed first. So there was no way he could hear. I'm trying to tell you that Lazarus's brain was totally gone. By the time Jesus came on the fourth day, there was no chance of Lazarus hearing anything. Yet Jesus spoke to Lazarus. And he heard. I used to tell people, they used to annoy me. They would introduce me as a motivational speaker. I used to feel like boxing the printer who printed that thing. I said, I'm not a motivational speaker. They motivated Lazarus, motivated him. Did he, did he, did he rise up from the dead? He said, why did they motivate him? Uh, you were there. Were you not there? Were you there? Lazarus, you can't go. Lazarus, don't go. Wake up, Lazarus. Lazarus, you are the only one we have. Lazarus. Lazarus. Oh. As I'm finishing, the neighbor will call, Lazarus. Everybody was shouting Lazarus. They shouted Lazarus for hours. Lazarus just did like that. Right around him. Professional monarchs came, Lazarus, Lazarus, oh, Lazarus, oh. Hours, Lazarus, you're done like this. Finally, they carry the man, they go bury him. They continued at home shouting Lazarus. Was he, what, did he wake up? No. Motivation cannot wake you up. He doesn't have life. Yeah, so. A dead man cannot be motivated to live. Mm. Are you getting my point? But Lazarus was very dead. Properly dead. Then life came. 
and spoke his name only once. With the brain that was totally gone. Nothing to conduct hearing into any part of the, you know, that area anymore. Yet, Lazarus not only got up, he flew and found himself at the door. You know the truth? Recently, I was, you know, I preached like, I was preaching that Lazarus just came at the door, you know, because, you know. Ah. Then, now I listened to Kenny Higgin this morning, and he told the story. Once they were in church, they were worshiping, they were praying, then suddenly, suddenly the glory filled the place. The whole thing took less than a second or so. And six sinners were found at the altar. And one man looked at this, the guy in front of the altar. That this guy was sitting on his right. That there's no way he could have gotten there without passing in front of me. Apart from the time, there was obstruction. Yet, they were found at the altar in a second. And now remember, that's what happened to Lazarus. When Jesus spoke, glory entered the place. Glory pulled him out and put him at the door. Still bound hand and foot. He did not shuffle to the door. He found himself at the door. Jesus had to tell them, remove that so he can walk. That's how the word works. That word went to a tree. That is an inanimate thing. You know, not the living, not that the animal doesn't, it responded. He went to a dead human being that couldn't hear. It brought him back to life. I think we need to give that word some attention. What am I saying? There are times we take the word, go to your office. I think Christians, we don't know how to pray well. I was about to say we pray too much. No, I shouldn't say that. We don't know how to pray well. There are times you enter the office, what is the prayer? Just open some, that Isaiah 55, and read it to the walls of the office. Yeah, yeah. They are hearing. True. That's what I'm telling you. The, 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 the walls they hear. Yeah. The walls of the office, they are hearing. There are times you enter your factory, you just read the scriptures to your machines. Amen. Believe me, they are listening. Yes. The scriptures are Look, the machines are listening to the word of God. The word of God is power. It's not motivation. Forget motivation. It's not motivation. That's what I'm emphasize. How can you motivate a dead man to live? But when the living word enters the life of a dead man, he finds himself awake. He wouldn't even know what woke him up. You'll be the one telling the story that Jesus called. Yes, I heard the okay. I was hearing echoes in the realm of the spirit. Listen. That's what we're supposed to pay attention to. Bible reading in the morning is not, let me check it for the day. No, no. That's something, Isaiah 53 we read, is medicine. They're shouting monkey pots. Some people are looking, googling up already for the, what, what are the symptoms? <laughs> when you see monkey hop across your roof, ah, monkey pox, why are you poxing over across my roof? Sometimes when things like that come up, take the scriptures and start reading it into the air. Sometimes it starts bouncing viruses back. Go back to the bush. Go back to the bush. Are you getting my point here? Listen, that is the secret. That is the secret. Let's worship the Lord again so we can receive Lord, thank you for showing us the secret. For showing us the secret. Lord, thank you for showing me the secret. There may be a problem right now that was plaguing your mind. Pray. Give me this day my daily bread. That is, I need a word with which I will service that thing. A word I will release to that Lazarus and it will come forth. A word I will speak to that tree and it will die from the roots. A word I will speak to that tree and it will die from the roots. Say, Lord, I thank you because you have opened my eyes. Sometimes I wonder, those who don't know the Lord, how do they handle matters? No wonder men run crazy when the pressures of life come to them. 
Just give thanks. Just give thanks. Say, Lord, I thank you. Open your mouth again and say, that word, I worship it. I lift my eyes to that word. I look at it attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze. That's a dedication. You are dedicating your life, your eyes, your heart to that word again. Lord, I give you every one of, every part of me, every inch of me, I give it to that word. That's what it means to be saved, though. That's what it means to be a believer. It's to be committed to the word of Christ. It's not about going to church. It's about committed to the word of Christ. So if you are not committed to it, that's what it means to be born again. Time to give your life to Christ. That's what we do as believers. We don't join the church. We give our lives to Christ. That is deliverance. That is the hope of eternity. That's why we know there is something after this life. For those of us who know him already, just say, Lord, I thank you. Say, Lord, I thank you. I'll say, Lord, I thank you. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Father, we give you thanks. Lord, we give you thanks. Let's chant the grace in fellowship. One, two, let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication and dominion in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please bless somebody beside you. Bless another person. This is your season of multiplication and dominion. One more person, please. This is your season of multiplication and dominion. One for yourself. This is my season of multiplication and dominion. All right, cheer up, brethren. God bless you. Be back on Saturday.